Welcome to New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcast at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can subscribe on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email Pastor Eric at erik.anderson at nllutheran.com. back to the New Life Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Ben, and with me is Pastor Eric, our discipleship pastor. Over the past four weeks, we have been attempting to equip you to lead and ultimately participate in your life group in a way that allows you to maximize its potential. And if you've missed any of these past podcasts, I encourage you to go back because we have covered a number of things. It's actually week five, and so we want you to really have the the full equipping that we're here offering to you. And so please go back. But if you want to listen, of course, we have some, some more stuff today. We are excited to move on to a topic called life sharing. So as we step into that, uh, we really wanted to find what that means so you guys all understand what we're talking about. So Pastor, kick us off. Uh, let us know what life sharing is. Yeah. Good morning, Pastor Ben. Good to see you. Um, so when we talk about life sharing, first of all, I want to point you guys to um, another episode we did a couple months ago. We actually did a whole episode on life sharing um, in in July. It came out July 4th. Uh, that episode dropped July 4th, and it has uh, Pastor Ben, Pastor Phil, and myself. Um, so I want to kind of direct you back there. Go back and listen to that um, to get more... Uh, filled out more details about life sharing. We're going to be a little bit more uh, practical in this conversation because this is supposed to be uh, the goal of this series is to do some training for life group participants and uh, life group leaders. So I'm just going to give you a brief synopsis of what that whole 45 minute episode was back in July. Um, and then we'll move on to more practical um, things. So essentially, what we're doing um, when we share our lives together um, is we share our burdens, both good and bad. And so the um, impetus of this is uh, Galatians 6, 1 through 10, which has this um, huge laundry list of ways that Christians um, love one another and care for one another. And so I encourage you to go and read Galatians 6 or just all of Galatians because it's really good. Uh, but the highlight is um, Galatians verse 2 which says, carry each other's burdens, and so you will fulfill the law of Christ. And we know from uh, Paul and other places and in the Gospels that um, loving one another is the fulfillment of the law, uh, that loving God and loving our neighbor is how we um, obey Christ. And so Paul says that sharing our burdens with one another as Christians is actually the way that we love each other. So we all go through things, good and bad, um, and when we kind of lock arms together and we share all those good things and bad things together, we make the burden lighter on everybody. Um, we make ourselves more able uh, and better equipped to um, uh, to grow in our faith and to care for our neighbors. Um, it actually eases us psychologically. It, it improves our mental health. Um, it's just a better way to operate in the world uh, by loving and caring for one another uh, being friends with one another is an, is kind of the language that we use here, um, is uh, gathering together in friendship, 
supporting one another um, and and uh, and lifting each other up. So that's really what we're talking about when we do life sharing um, is good and bad things. Uh, we share that burden. We carry each other's burdens um, and we join each other in friendship. So that's the short version. Go back to that July 4th episode and listen to the whole thing um, to get more, uh, get some more ideas and more of that kind of like a philosophical approach to life sharing. Um, Pastor Phil and Pastor Ben and myself talk about that there. Um, so Pastor Ben, what I want to do now is just ask you, how have you experienced, we talked a little bit about this a couple months ago, but just kind of share, could you share with me again, how you experienced uh, this carrying one another's burdens and this, this love and friendship in your own walk? Sure. The, it is obviously a key component in life groups to carry each other's burdens as we see in scripture. And if you were in church, a couple of weeks ago now, um, I shared a specific story about my life group. My family had gotten the flu. It was a great time in our lives. And as you guys know, when you get the flu, especially when your whole family gets the flu at the same time, you just are completely incapacitated. And we did not want to move because every time you move, you feel sick. It was just horrible, right? You don't even want to get up and, and make food. And that's the space where we were at. And we had a couple from our life group actually swing by, drop off soup on our doorstep in the driveway to avoid the flu. But we were able to just simply move like five feet, walk out the door, grab the soup and feel better from being nourished and, and feel better because we were loved. And so that's something that's happened just recently. But in general, if you think about it, you know, I think a lot of times we take on this, this false burden or false sense that we can save the whole world. And so we, we get together in church like, okay, we're going to feed all of the homeless of the Sock Valley, or we're going to clothe all the people in the You know, it's like we take on these grandiose things, we can't accomplish them, and they fall flat. But I think that's where the beauty of relationships comes in. That's the beauty of life groups, is that we can't save everybody, but we can help a few, right? And so God has placed us in unique relationships. When we step into life groups, we submit ourselves to unique relationships where we can care for people, right? There's moments like that where people know us personally enough. They know our struggles. They know our hurts and they bring soup to our front door. Uh, you know, personally, that's, that's exactly how it's worked is I can't save the whole world. And if you think you can, uh, obviously you need to let go of that. You'll destroy yourself trying, but you can impact the few that God has put next to you, right? This is your family, your close friends, maybe your coworkers. And when they're in need, you can go to them and you can meet their need pretty well without bankrupting yourself, whether it's emotionally, spiritually, or financially, but you can step in and help them out. And so I think a life group is so critical because it creates an opportunity for us to carry each other's burdens and also to have our burdens met in a realistic and personal way with people that care for us enough and know us well enough to understand what our needs really, really are. Yeah, I think that's really great. I uh, I oftentimes like to um, walk people through that thought process of we get overwhelmed when we think about loving and caring for all the people who are in need and hurting in our community. Um, and oftentimes that like can paralyze us from just loving our neighbors. Um, so I was having a conversation with somebody a few weeks ago. Um, I guess it was a few months ago now. And... Um, and they were talking about evangelism, and I just said, "Hey, do you have you evangelized to your next door neighbor?" And they said, uh, "No." And I said, "Okay, well, you know, when you get to the end of your street, 
then we can talk about evangelizing um, into the rest of the community. So oftentimes we neglect the people who are right around us, like actually physically next to us or in proximity to us uh, because we're so paralyzed by the big picture of reaching um, the whole world. Uh, we have to reach the end of our street first um, before we can reach the whole world. So those people in our life group, they're the people who we have proximity with. Um, if not physical proximity, we're, we're close to them relationally. Um, and so just starting by loving them and caring for them, that's a way that we, uh, that's the Jerusalem uh, that we start with in the Great Commission is the people who are right around us. Yeah, there's a great section of scripture in First Timothy that points directly at both these ideas that we're talking about. And it says this in First Timothy 5.8, anyone who does not provide for their relatives especially from their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than mm. an unbeliever. Mm. And mm. so it points mm. at this idea that God has uniquely placed people close to us, and those are the people we should care for and put our energy into. Now, that doesn't mean that we just avoid the rest of the world's problems, but I think Pastor Eric makes an incredibly valid point that sometimes we like to grandstand and, and talk about saving the world, or we think that's a better endeavor. And so we... we dream up these ideas that will never happen and we avoid the stuff that God has put right in front of our face, like our family members, our relatives, our neighbors, our coworkers. Yeah. And just imagine, just imagine a world where people just took ownership of that. Yeah. yeah. If, if every believer just took ownership of that, we wouldn't be having these conversations about large scale right. fixes. I mean, right. it would just be dealt with because everyone has, you know, 20 close relationships or so. Right. And if everyone was able to take care of those 20 people and those unique people take care of their 20 people, uh, we don't have these issues anymore. Right. But we have a lot of issues because we tend to dream big, produce small, and not take care of the people yeah, who are right, right right under our noses. Yeah, if every Christian in the Sauk Valley uh, dedicated themselves to outreach in their neighborhood, the entire Sauk Valley would be reached. There are Christians in every neighborhood. Um, so if everyone took ownership of their own neighborhood and their own neighbors, um, we could we could fulfill um, the Great Commission in Sock Valley. We could we could reach everybody. Um, but we oftentimes just yeah we think big, and then we end up executing small because the the goal is too 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 big. Well, we're gonna keep moving through this idea of of life sharing, which is the the big general theme that we're talking about and really breaking down as we work through this. But uh, we've already talked about sharing one another's burdens. What are some other benefits, Pastor Eric, that life sharing offers us? Yeah. So when we talk about this kind of thing, life sharing, what, and, and I guess just discipleship um, in the broader sense, um, in the Lutheran tradition, what the, the kind of like Lutheran reformational language we have for it is called the consolation and conversation of the brethren. And this is um, highlighted in the Augsburg Confession. Um, it's highlighted in the catechisms. It's it's in the idea, you know, Martin Luther, when he talks about the conversation and consolation of the brethren, um, one of the big things that him and the other reformers uh, were trying to do was to re um, uh, reconnect with this, with the biblical truth of the priesthood of all believers, that every single one of us is a minister of the reconciliation between God and man. Every single one of us is a minister of the healing and the hope and the peace and the joy and the ministry that is um, 
God's work toward us, uh, which is the gospel. And so he talks about, Martin Luther talks about conversation and consolation of the brethren almost as another sacrament. It's almost like God works on us. He does work on us through the people around us. And kind of the main, um, one of the main verses that we look at when we think about this is in Romans, where Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel uh, because it's the power of God to save people. It's the power of God to transform people. And then later he says, um, how can people uh, believe the gospel without hearing it? And how can people hear the gospel without somebody preaching it to them, without a preacher? Um, and so we grasp onto that and we, we say, okay, so in Paul's mind, um, in the biblical writer, in the Bible, in scripture, we are told that it is actually this kind of this proclamation to one another. It is, it is the Holy Spirit uh, through a believer speaking God's word to another believer and giving them the Holy Spirit that actually awakens them and transforms their life, which is why preaching is such a central thing to the Lutheran world, to the Lutheran uh, tradition. And, and this conversation and consolation of the brethren it takes that proclamation and it takes it out of the realm of like professional preacher and into the realm of every single one of us is a minister of the reconciliation. Every single one of us is a preacher, uh, not because we have training, not because we stand up there in whatever robes for traditional service and a button down for modern worship service. And we teach from the Bible. Every single one of us is a preacher because we can proclaim to each other the gospel. We can tell each other we are forgiven we can remind each other of God's promises. We can assure each other of God's promises, of the fruit of the Spirit, of salvation, of holiness, of, um, of sanctification. We can, we can tell each other the promises of God, and that actually gives life. That does something because it's God's word spoken, and God's word does not return void to him. So our life groups and life sharing are the space where we do this consolation and conversation of the brethren. It's the place that we proclaim salvation and holiness. Um, it's the place that we proclaim healthiness and growth. We proclaim the promises of God to one another. And we believe that because God said it, that it's actually going to happen. Um, so this is not the same thing as... Um, uh, like the word of faith prosperity gospel... You know, it's not, you need to say positive things about yourself because it'll happen. It is, we are saying God's word to each other. We are telling each other of God's promises. Um, so really, the one of the benefits, frankly, is salvation. It's, uh, it's holiness. Uh, it's healthiness and growth. That's some of the benefit of life sharing. Because in life sharing, we get to uh, speak God's promises to each other through both hard things and good things. Um, so I know that my wife and I, you know, we do this a lot where if one of us is struggling, the other one will just say, this is what God told you that he would give you. This is what God told you he would do for you. This is the, the fruit of the spirit that God says is yours. Um, so have faith in him, believe in him, trust in him. We, we proclaim to each other the word of God, um, believing that it'll actually do something to us. And so that's what we do. Um, in our life groups. One of the potential things that we do in our life group is we get to tell each other we are forgiven. 
we get to tell each other that that Christ is in us through the Holy Spirit and is uh, transforming us. Um, we get to speak God's word to one another. And so we get to do that um, through, as we talked about earlier, through both the law and the gospel. We can challenge each other. We can uh, push each other to be better. We can call each other out on our sin and our stupidness. Um, and then we also get to tell each other of God's promises. So like, I mean, one of the best benefits is that we get to speak um, God's word to each other um, in those kinds of ways. Um, and we get to give each other the Holy Spirit by uh, proclaiming and being the preacher to each other of uh, correcting when we need to correct and uh, and pro- and telling people of God's, reminding people of God's promises um, when they need that. Yeah, so that's the be- that's the big benefit of of a life group and of life sharing is that we get to do that to one another. So, uh, Pastor Ben, how have you um, experienced that uh, transformation um, and that that power of of God's word in a life group? How have you experienced that um, in your own in your own life? Sure, I think there is a natural progression in church, especially the way that we have it set up here at New Life is that we obviously have our, our big church experience, right? Our, our Sunday morning or weekend experience. And you come to that and that typically that, that conversation is one-sided, right? It's myself or Pastor Eric, and we're up there, we read the scripture, and then we do it in a conversational way, a narrative way, but, but it's really us talking to you. Now, you take that truth and you go home and maybe you have some conversations with your family afterwards, or maybe you don't. Maybe it just kind of rolls around in your head and you kind of come to some conclusions, you know a little bit more, you're able to hear the, the truth of God and how it applies to your life. But if you're willing to take that next step into a life group, this is where that benefit really comes in. So now you're in a space surrounded by other believers and you're you're talking, you're communicating one to another about what God is doing for you, what God is teaching you, how it's going to work out in your life. And, and it's doing two things. One, People are sharing their insights with you, which helps you grow. The other thing is that you're beginning to build a vocabulary of being able to share what God is doing in your life, what God's truth tells you, um, how that impacts people. And so what you're actually doing is you're working on a skill set as well to be able to share that. And so here's the best part. That means once you have done that, right, you've gone through those layers, then comes the third layer. That means that when you go to work, when you go to school, when you go out with your friends who aren't in your life groups, you've actually been honing that skill to have real conversations with real people about a very real God. And so you actually see that that element of preaching God's word, God's forgiveness, God's truth. Mm. You, you've heard it preached in the pulpit. You've shared it in your life group. And now you're taking that that very risky next step, which isn't that big a risk anymore because you've already worked on those skills to share it with people who really, really, really need it. And so you become a missionary in that effect. And once in, that goes all the way back to this idea of caring for people is that God has placed unique people in your life, honed your skills, given you the truth to be able to share that truth with others so that they can be reconciled with God as well. I mean, that's, that's amazing. What's, what else is more important in life than that? And so we're giving you these tools to work you towards the ability to share real life with real people about a real God and help them find real transformation. I mean, there's nothing more important in your life than that. There's one mission for your life. Everything else is subservient to that. And so it's just a great way for you guys to learn 
how to continue to talk about God in real life situations and really help people out. Okay, we're going to jump back into our our life group experience. We've talked about what life sharing is. We've talked about the benefits that it can offer. But let's talk about how do we do this really, really well, right? How do we we even improve and how we have been doing this in our life group or start doing it really well in our life group? So Pastor Eric, why don't you take that one? Yeah, so when we getting down to the nitty gritty of doing the life sharing, which is going to feel like the bulk of a life group's time, depending on how it's set up. If a life group doesn't have a very clear um, curriculum that you're working through, um, you're going to be doing a lot of this kind of thing, a lot of conversation. <clears throat> and so we, ha- I have a couple of, uh, of tips uh, for you life group leaders and life group participants. Um, and then I have one activity that I think um, helps kind of break the ice with life sharing. So first of all... Um, when you when you enter into your life group um, experience, reminding people um, and and dedicating having your life group dedicate itself uh, to confidentiality is a really important um, thing. So, my wife and I, Sarah, we uh, lead the the college age life group. So we have the college kids um, come over to our house every other week. Um, we feed them and then we have a conversation and the way that we do it is I just ask them what they want to talk about next time and then I do research and we talk through the conversation, uh, walk through that conversation when they get there. So it's pretty loose, uh, not a lot of structure in our life group. Um, but almost every time uh, when we have a meeting, I just remind people that what we say is confidential, that we don't uh, talk to people outside of our life group um, about what's going on in the lives of people in our life group. So we can talk about uh, the the study that we did or the, re, you know, whatever. We can talk about the discussion, but not about the things that are going on in other people's lives. Um, so I just remind everyone of that confidentiality. Um, and then we kind of enter into our uh, life sharing uh, uh, space, which we do. This is the activity that, that I encourage you to do. Um, when we're having our meal, we just start our life group by going around and everyone gives um, one high for the week. So one good thing that happened um, and one low, one bad thing that happened. Um, and sometimes they can be as uh, trite as, oh, I had a stressful day at work on Tuesday. Okay. You know, then we kind of talk about that a little bit. Um, or it can be as serious um, as, uh, oh, I lost, you know, this family member. They died this week. You know, anything like that. It can be as as much or as little as that person wants to share, um, both with for the high and the low. So we just go around and everyone um, shares one high and one low. And as we go around and people share their high and their low, um, oftentimes I'll ask follow-up questions. So I have several questions that I just kind of like have memorized that I hold on to. Um, and this goes back to the last two podcasts that we've done in talking about asking good questions. Um, is I just ask open-ended questions. Um, when, where, what, why, how. Um, ask those kinds of questions and just keep digging in. Um, how did that make you feel when that happened? How did you respond to that? Why Why did you respond that way? What were you thinking when you did this? How did that, you know, that kind of thing. We just I just ask lots and lots of questions as we go around. Um, just kind of as I feel the spirit lead or as I 
feel prompted, I'll ask those questions um, and we can dig in more into those highs and lows as we go around. Um, so we go around and, you know, one person will share their high and highs and lows. We'll ask a couple questions. We'll have we'll talk about it. Next person, we just go around the whole table um, during our mealtime. And that's kind of how we shape our conversation there. So that's a super easy way um, to do life sharing. You just share one high, one low. Everyone does it. You ask good follow-up questions as needed, um, and and there you go. You've done it. The the conversation just kind of naturally progresses and naturally uh, blooms from there. So that's a super simple way that I encourage all of our life groups to do. Uh, when you get your life group started, um, as you get together and you get your snacks or whatever it is that you're doing, um, just start with that. Go around the room. All right, give us one high, one low for the week, and ask good follow-up questions as people share. So that's a great way to do that. Um, that's a great way to do that life sharing, a super practical thing that I like to do. So as we embark on this, despite asking really good questions, doing them really well, the reality is we're still still dealing with real people, which can be really challenging. Mm-hmm. So what are some complications that might arise, and what are some solutions for those complexities? Yeah, so there's a lot of complications. Um, I made some notes here of some things that I think kind of uh, can cause the most, uh, the the biggest complications. Uh, the first one is that when you enter into your life group, everyone's going to have a different personality. Everyone's going to have a different. Um, they're gonna they're gonna have a different comfort level about being in that space. Um, so just when you enter into the life group experience, make make sure that you don't impose your personality and your expectations on other people. So here's a good example. My wife is very introverted. I'm very not. So I will talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. My wife will not say a word. Um, we'll say one or two words. Um, at a, at an event, at a life group, whatever, um, she will not say much. Then at the end of the night, after everyone's go, goes home, she goes, man, we had a great conversation. And because her personality, she is engaged, fully engaged. She's experiencing all these emotions. She's experiencing the, the conversation that we're having and she's participating in it. She's just not saying anything. So for me, if I don't say anything, it means I'm tired or disconnected or angry or whatever. So for me, when I don't talk, that's a signal of something negative, something bad is going on. Um, for my wife, that's just how she operates. So so there are going to be people in your life group that maybe don't say a whole lot. And that's okay. And we'll get to that. We'll get to this issue a little bit later. Um, and so they're just kind of different personalities. So just know as you enter into that space... They're going to be different personalities. Don't impose your expectations of how much someone should talk or how little, how much someone should share, how people should be engaged. Don't impose that onto other people. Um, the second thing, another complication is that there's just not enough history with the group. Um, so life groups take time. We have a life group right now that's been meeting for a year. And people have come and gone in the life group, and they're but they're really getting established. So the last like probably eight months or so, last six to eight months, they've really got their core established. And um, I was talking to life group leader last month and she goes, it just kind of feels now like we're figuring out 
um, how to communicate, how to talk with one another. And these are people who've known each other for a long time um, or have known of each other for a long time. So life groups just take time to have uh, to be comfortable with one another. So to build some of that community and some of that history. Um, so just be patient with that. Don't worry. Don't try to rush it. Um, people are going to feel more and more comfortable with each other as you go. Um, so just don't, um, don't feel like you need to rush into, uh, getting really deep, uh, conversations really fast. It's not going to happen. Just give it time. Um, so that would be another one. Um, sometimes in a group, uh, like I mentioned earlier, you feel like there's not enough sharing. Uh, so just be patient with that. Um, let people share as they feel comfortable. People will feel more comfortable, um, the longer you're with them, we have one person in our life group, our college life group, who's very reserved. Um, and it's just every week, every time we meet, uh, this person is a little bit less reserved. They talk a little bit more, they're engaged a little bit more, they share a little bit more. So they just be patient with people, let them share as they feel comfortable. Don't push too hard. Don't try to get everyone to talk the same amount. Uh, if someone's not comfortable talking, just let them be, um, let them be. And uh, they'll open up eventually. The inverse to that is sometimes people talk too much. Uh, sometimes you have someone in your group who kind of dominates the conversation. Um, sometimes this person will be um, someone who they, they've experienced a lot of negative things, a lot of trauma in their life. And so you meet together and it just is, they just like rehearse all these things that they've experienced. Uh, sometimes they have bad family lives and they just share, you know, all these things that are going on, um, in their family. And it kind of feels like, it feels like this one person is talking the whole time and no one else really gets a chance to talk. Um, so a way to, to take care of this, a way to kind of handle this, um, is to create rules. Um, so first of all, um, don't be afraid to just, um, don't be afraid just to make make some guidelines, uh, put an alarm on, say, Hey, we're doing our highs and lows. We're going to give each of us three minutes to share. Um, if you don't share for three minutes, that's okay. But after three minutes, we're going to move on to make sure that everyone has the opportunity to share as they need to. So, um, you could put an alarm on, put a timer on, and, uh, that might seem awkward. Uh, but, as long as the rules just apply to everybody and not just the one person, um, then, uh, it, it's not awkward. Okay. Um, it's not, it's not as awkward as you think it's going to be. Uh, so just say, this is how we're going to do this. Just introduce that, um, say, Hey, you know, our highs and lows took up a lot of time last week. We didn't get much time to do our curriculum or our study. So what we're going to do this time, we're just going to give ourselves three minutes for each person to do this. That way we're only spending 20 minutes on it instead of 45. So just, put a cap on it. Um, those sorts of things. Another thing that happens sometimes if you have someone who's really talkative is, uh, they interrupt a lot. So, um, somebody will be sharing and then that'll spark in this other person, a story that they experienced. And then they'll bring up that story. They'll interrupt the person, the train of thought, and they'll have to share whatever's, whatever they're thinking. Um, or whatever they're experiencing um, or have experienced. Uh, so a way to do this in the past with groups, sometimes I've had to enforce the rule when someone else is doing their highs and lows, when someone else is sharing, you can only ask questions of that person. You can't add, 
your own thoughts. You can't add your own experience into that. You can only ask questions. Um, so sometimes you have to make things a little bit more formal. You have to make them a little bit more rigid um, in order to protect the integrity of the group. And over time, again, um, you're going to create the culture, right, of everyone shares, everyone has something to say, everyone gets the opportunity. Um, after after some time, um, those things tend to resolve themselves and people um, will, will learn the expectations of the group. So that's... Um, those are some some things that you can do, and also you can get creative and try other things as well. Uh, but those are some of the challenges. So the biggest thing is just be patient with people. Um, if you need to create new systems and new rules in your group, go ahead and do it. It's not as awkward as you think. Um, go ahead and take care of it, and just remember that it takes time to for everyone to feel comfortable and to create a culture in your life group. So obviously, we expect challenges. Because that's the reality of life with real conversations with real people. But Pastor Eric, how have you specifically experienced this where things have just kind of fallen off the rails in a life group? Yeah, so um, I've experienced this a number of times. Um, we had, when I was first, uh, when I first became a pastor, um, this church that I was at, had some, uh, they had a fairly heavy handed pastor, the pastor before I was, he did a great job, did some great ministry. Um, but with his heavy handedness, um, he pushed some people away. Um, some people felt threatened by him, uh, anything, these sorts of things. So anyway, there's this one lady in this church, um, who had left the church because she felt, um, insulted by the pastor and some of the leadership. Um, and so she came back and I said, I would love to have you be a member here again, um, but here's what this is going to require. Um, I want you to to be part of a life group. We actually, we didn't call them life groups, um, but I want you to be part of a, a triad, three people. Um, and I want you to meet with these people um, every other week. I want you to go through this book um, and, and you can be back in, but this is what we're going to take it easy. I want you to be part of this life group for a while. And, uh, and, she was kind of like a, she kind of became like a cornered um, coyote a little bit. Uh, got real snippy, uh, real inconsistent. Um, she talked way too much in the life group. Um, kept trying to like uh, bring things up. They they were uh, bound by confidentiality. Um, they kept trying to like she kept trying to bring things up outside the life group, um, and unfortunately, it just didn't work out. Um, she felt like she wasn't welcomed, which is too bad. Um, and she she left the church again. So that was one thing that got completely derailed because this person um, did not feel like they wanted they did not they did not agree to the terms of being in a in a community like a life group. Um, she did not think that she needed to follow the rules of confidentiality and follow the rules of being dedicated to one another and caring for one another. So it was a little bit of a selfish experience for her. Um, and so that fell off, off the rails. That was a life group that failed. Another life group that, um, didn't quite work out, um, for a couple of reasons. When I was in college and I interned at a church, we, we were putting together a life group ministry and I kind of led the charge on that. And what we did is that we had some people who were pretty concerned about the confidentiality issue. And so what we ended up doing was when people entered into a life group, they signed a pact um, to be part of a life group and to and for it to remain confidential. 
And uh, that turned a lot of people off because it was like, uh, it, it was it was way too formal. It was way it was way too much um, for people to really buy in. It felt really artificial, um, and so that was one way that we experienced uh, those things. The, those groups never took off. Uh, part of it was because of that um, confidentiality agreement that people didn't want to enter into a space uh, that was that rigid, um, and so. Uh, that's an example of maybe the rules were a little bit stifling of community. Um, so we have to find this good balance of being part of the community and abiding by the rules, by the expectations, uh, but without it being being too rigid. So those are a couple of times on opposite extremes that uh, that life groups didn't work out. What about you, Pastor Ben? Yeah, I've seen this as well. Really, two things stick out to me as you were talking, two of my own kind of experiences. And one, if you thought the idea of a timer was comical... Um, I've actually had to put that into play in a life group. And it was a, a long time ago at this point in time. It was a, a college life group that I was leading. It, it was actually a larger group, but we used life group principles. And there was one individual who really liked to hear himself talk. And he'd just go on forever and ever and ever and ever. And so we literally had to put on a screen Hey, this is how much time each person gets. You can use up to this amount of time, but you don't have to use this amount of time. And it changed the whole dynamic because it actually allowed people to share before it was literally like a a hostage situation. I mean, this individual would come in and he would talk and talk and talk and talk. And then he just became like the professor. Right. And I think it was just a lot of, he felt self-important. He thought people wanted to hear him. He thought that was his role. But that wasn't what we were shooting for. I mean, we were shooting at sharing our thoughts, sharing our understandings, growing together. And so we had to implement that. It actually worked just fine. It solved the problem immediately. The other one I've seen too is meeting in a life group where everyone is open to being vulnerable and sharing life, but one person is obviously pretending. And so I was in a, a life group personally and we go around and we'd be open and honest. And then the other person would say, uh, everything's great. You know, you'd share about shortcomings in your marriage or life or, you know, things like that. And this individual was always saying, oh, my marriage is perfect. My life is perfect. And all that did was obviously we knew that wasn't true or, or he was in impressive denial. So it just basically made the group worthless to us. And so it just dissolved because of one person's inability to be open and honest and just was constantly putting up a front and and we were just over it, you know, because one, it seemed like he was being superior and two, we didn't trust somebody who wasn't going to be honest when we were being honest. And so it just, it just shut down. So I've really seen those two things, bring it off the rails. We never came to a, a solution in that specific instance. If I could do it over again, we'd probably just go to him personally and say, look, here's the reality. We know you're not telling the truth. Tell the truth. We want to actually be a part of your life and have real conversations. And and if you can't do this, we just need to go in a different direction. Now the resolution came later because that person moved away and that created the resolution. But I was young and I probably should have stepped up and said something and, and fixed the situation. But that was what transpired. And the reality is if you have somebody in your group like that, they will stop your group from functioning 
And so it's better to have the conversation say, look, we like you the way you are. Now let us know the way you are and uh, open them up. And if they want to be a part of a life group, that's what they need anyways. And if they aren't willing to do that, it's best to just cut ties for the, the good and the health of the group. So if, if this is the negativity that can stem from a life group, Pastor Eric, why should I be willing to risk it? Because we have the opportunity to participate in the work that God is doing in the world. Um, and we do that through these kinds of conversations. God is transforming us. He is making us better. He is uh, making us holy. He is uh, deepening our awareness of grace. And we get the opportunity to participate in that with one another. That is, um, that's actually the reason I became, um, I, I became a pastor. It's because I wanted to be a part of the lives of people as God was working on them. Um, and so it's a great joy to partner with God in his work of transforming the world and transforming our hearts and our minds and our lives. Um, it's a great joy to be, be able to be part of that. Um, and really, we, we don't get a choice in this. Um, it, this is really how God, this is the way that God has uh, given us uh, to, to participate in the kingdom is by loving and serving one another. Um, so we, we get to be part of something really exciting. Uh, we get to be part of the work of God in each other's lives. So that's why it's worth it. Um, it's just complicated because we're people. Well, thank you, Pastor Eric, for our conversation today. And thank you, listeners, for joining us through your computer, phone, and those still utilizing AOL discs. We appreciate you joining us. Pastor Eric is actually too young to even get that joke. but he- Hey, I remember we had AOL discs in my household <laughs> when I was little. So we'll talk quickly because we don't want you guys to run out of minutes before we finish up. <laughs> but we do appreciate you joining us and listening and we hope this that this podcast helps you move forward in your journey through your life group experience and in your experience in life. Until next time, this has been Pastor Ben. And joined as always with me is Pastor Eric. And we will meet you on the other side of the calendar year. Bye.